Uh, before we jump in today, I want to uh, take a second and I want to welcome uh, Miss Joni. Welcome to Boomerang. Amen. If you don't know, uh, the Lord put it on her heart. There, this is her family from Long Island. And uh, amen. <laughs> and uh, man, we've enjoyed having y'all here today. That's awesome. Amen. You fit right in. It's awesome. Glory to God. And uh, the Lord put it on your heart to move here and be a part of Boomerang uh, from New York. And uh, already has a job. And uh, so when you see her out there, give her a high five and give her a hug and, and uh, just share the love of God with her. Amen. Amen. We're glad to have you. Amen. Nicole and I are so happy that you're here, and we're glad y'all are here too. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. It's been awesome. You enjoy it? Amen. Amen. God's so good. We're excited. So this morning, uh, I wanted to talk about how to walk in heaven's power. How to walk in heaven's power. And I want to jump right in. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Matthew 5 and verse 3. Thank you, Lord. So if you know anything about this passage, uh, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the first part of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes mean blessings. And you see basically for the first you know, eight or so verses, Jesus says, blessed, 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 blessed. Bless. It's kind of like he was trying to get something across, you know, kind of, kind of like he wanted us to know that God wants us blessed. And he's showing us no matter where we are, where we've come from, he wants us blessed. Now I want to center in on one verse this morning, and that is verse 3. And verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, Nicole and I, we, we've determined that we kind of grew up poor and didn't know it. And uh, I don't want nothing to do with poor anymore. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. And so when I used to read this verse about poor in spirit, I was thinking, I was thinking, I don't know if I like that verse or not. You know, I'm just getting real with the Lord. Like, I don't even know if I really like that verse at all. Blessed is the poor in spirit. What are you talking about, you know? And uh, I thought, I'm not sure I like that. And I, don't, I didn't fully understand it. But see, if I see something that I know is right because God said it, but I don't understand it, then I'll just start praying about it. And I prayed about that verse, and he shared some things with me. I'm going to share that with you today. But before we jump into that, I want you to see what happened here. What's the setup? For this, we did a series a while back called The Great Sermon in 2018, and it's talking about this Sermon on the Mount. And in order to understand the Sermon on the Mount, one of the first things you need to do is you need to back up, back up a couple of chapters and look at the setup for that sermon, because if you don't see the setup for it, you might miss some of the things that God's saying. You can go into the Sermon on the Mount and you can get in condemnation just like that. Well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this. And all of a sudden you're in condemnation. But I also want you to see this. If you turn two chapters over to chapter 7, I'm going to give you some homework this week. Everybody say, yay. yay. <laughs> Good. That was so nice. I want you to read the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapter 5, 6, and 7, 
But I don't want you to read it until you hear this message today. All right? So read it with the context of what I'm about to preach. But look at verse at chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. Now, has anybody in here ever read through the Sermon on the Mount before? You know, chapter 5, 6, and 7. You've ever read it? Have you ever been like, wow, that was awesome. That was so good. Anybody ever been like that after you read it? I hadn't. I hadn't. I, I've never read through there and been like, man, this is so good. Wasn't that awesome? Oh, my goodness. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. I've never been like that. But I want you to see something. Because the people that heard him did. Verse 28 says, When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed. Look at verse 29. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now I want you to understand this word. This was not just like, wow. This was, they were amazed. They're, they're astonished. They're like, who is this guy? Now when I read the words, I'm not coming away. Watch, just from the words, I'm not coming away that way. Just from the words. They're good. It's awesome. But I'm not sitting there at the end of it going, wow, with full amazement on me. I'm not doing that. What does that tell us? It tells us that there was something different about his words. There was something different in there. He spoke words, but it wasn't just the word. You've heard me say this. One word received on one day of preaching can change your life forever. And I hope that that day for you is today. One word received on one day of preaching can change your life forever. And I hope that that day for you is today. How can one word do it? The, the Bible calls it this, the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness, in other words, it doesn't even make sense to the world. It's foolish to the world. And yet, if it's preached right... It can just be words to an average hearer. But for somebody who's drawing on the anointing, that anointing can go in and change everything. That same anointing that just healed people this morning, it can go in and change everything. It can change your finances. It can change your health. It can knock out a virus. It can knock out a chronic illness. It can knock out a poor, a poor, a poor uh, poverty spirit. Not this poor in spirit. We'll talk about what that is. But a poverty spirit, it can knock that thing out. Just like one word and everything changes. One word where somebody says, I'm hungry for it. And then you have a preacher that's carrying an anointing. In other words, it's not just words. There's something in those words. In Jesus, there was an authority. He knew it. He believed it. He lived it. That's what every believer is called to be. Not just that we know some. See, a lot of times on Sunday morning, we've been, amen, yeah, glory to God, hallelujah. But, and, and we leave our amen and our hallelujah and what we agree with at church, and we don't really take it out that door. Every believer, it says in Mark, Mark 16, those that believe 
will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues. Those that believe will do that. So we're not talking about just a few, just a pastor, just a prophet. No, we're talking about every believer is called to carry the power and the light of God. And we should be walking. When you, we want to get to the place. I, I know many of us have wanted to talk about Jesus at times, and we've sought to talk about Jesus, and somebody walks away like we have just by reading the words. Okay, that was pretty good. But there should, we should get to the place that when we talk about Jesus, there's some kind of transfer like was on Jesus here. There's an authority and an anointing where somebody goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That was different. That was different. I don't know what that was, but it caught my attention. There's something that leaves them amazed. And we can walk, hear this, we can walk with Jesus in such a fellowship that that becomes a reality. And that's God's plan for every believer, not just people that are preaching. But no, we'll preach with our lives and our actions every day carrying a demonstration of the power and the anointing of God. That's God's plan. I love that, you know, the words seemed good, but they were amazed by that anointing and authority. We're supposed to carry it. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 3, I want to show you something. And in Matthew chapter 3, it describes the preaching of John the Baptist. And I want to just go through that. Let me, let me set up this stage just for a second because in order to understand this, you've got to see what was happening. So here is the people of God. Here's Israel, and they're looking for someone to restore their kingdom. They're looking for a Messiah. In their head... They're thinking Israel will become this great nation again like it was under King David. And a King David will rule and rule the earth, right? There's a King David. But they were also wanting a Joshua who would step into the land and take back land from the enemy. They were also wanting a Moses that would deliver them from Rome. They wanted all of this in the Messiah, and they wanted it to be physical. They were looking for a physical kingdom. They, they saw the prophecies, but they interpreted them with kind of their own slant and they wanted it to happen this way. So much so that when you go over into Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, hey, when the Holy Ghost comes, you'll have power, they, they automatically go, oh, is it at that time the nation of Israel will be established again? They're still, after three years with Jesus, they're still thinking that way. They're still, after they've been with him for this whole time, and they had missed the point, and Jesus basically is like, no, Guys, yeah, come on, guys. No, you'll be, you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. But they're looking for the physical kingdom. Well, you understand that the word repent, you know, a lot of times when we hear the word repent, what we think is the guy on the corner, you know, that's telling everybody about hellfire and brimstone and repent. God hates you. That's not true. But that's how we think of the word repent. But that's not really what repent means. 
And as a matter of fact, he goes on to say, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? It's his goodness. That's why the gospel is not bad news or bitter news. It means good news. Say it with me. Say good. Good. Amen. It's good news. It's great news. It's the gospel. But repent actually means, will you come here, Chris? You can be my repenter. Amen. All right, we're going to head this way. And this way is sin and the world and hell. And you were walking that way, right, right? But when he repents, he says, I'm not going to walk this way ever again. I'm going to walk that, that way and I'll never turn back. Amen. Get, hey, welcome to the body. Amen. <laughs> See, that wasn't that bad. Amen. Repent literally means, now I want you to see this, it literally means stop thinking this way, start thinking God's way, and go that way. Stop thinking like the world system, start thinking like God's system, and go after it. That's what repent means. And repent basically is a commitment that says, I'm never going to go that way again. And so when you repent of sin, it's not, you know, worldly sorrow doesn't lead to repentance, but godly sorrow leads to repentance. In other words, when we're sorry that we got caught over something, that's not repentance. Well, I wish I wouldn't have gotten caught on that, and now I'm paying the price for what I did, you know. I, I sowed some bad, bad seed of sin in my life, and now I'm reaping the harvest of bad seed. And, oh, God, I'm just so sorry. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's just been, I'm just sorry I got caught because I really wish I wasn't having to pay this price right now, and if I could take it back, I would. But the truth is, you would take that moment back, but you'd still do it again because your heart hadn't really changed on it. That's not true repentance. True repentance is when we say, Lord, I love you. And this is not, that was not love towards you. And I never want to not love on you again. And from this day forward, I never want to go that way. I'm not going to go that way. Lord, I repent. And, and I'm done with that forever. That's true repentance. And when we move in that way, here's the thing. See, used to what gets us in that sin is we look at that, that sin and that temptation and we'll go, oh, that looks like fun for a little bit. And that's what the Bible says. It says sin is pleasurable for a season, right? Oh, that, that looks like fun to the flesh, you know? And, and then we'll, a lot of times we'll meditate on it. I know y'all have never been there, so I'm having to explain it for everybody online. And uh, so we'll be, hey, I'm... And then we'll think about it a little bit, and then we'll think about how, how good and how much fun in the flesh it will be. And then all of a sudden, we, we find ourselves kind of doing a little, a little stutter step. And, and then all of a sudden, we fall into sin, right? But the issue is, when we do that, we're saying, what we're doing is we're paying more attention to the temptation of the flesh than of our love of God. And in that moment, we're saying, I really love this more, which is why we do it. I want this. Hear, hear, the, hear these words. I want this at least for a moment. I want it. Okay, keep that. Put that in your pocket. We'll come back to that later, okay? All right, now, with that in mind, remember that when you repent, you're saying... 
I don't want that anymore. What's happening? You're not just turning a new direction. Your mind is having a new set point. I don't want that anymore. I want you. And not just your actions have changed, your thinking has changed. And watch this. I'm not going to do it the world's way anymore and the world system anymore. I'm going to do it, God, your way, in your system, by faith, by confession, in hope, in love, in joyful, confident expectation. I'm going to go after you, your way. The ways that you laid out here not the ways that I grew up with, not the ways that I think are the best. I'm going to do it your way. That's a true repentance. Okay. With that in mind, let's go to Matthew chapter 3. And what we have is a setup for change. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness saying, Repent! No, no, that's how many, many people have interpreted that. But that's not necessarily how he said it. No, repent. What's he saying? Change your direction. Change your way of thinking. Stop doing it the old way. Think new ways. Now, what were they thinking before John the Baptist came on the scene? We need a Moses. We need a Joshua. We need a David. They were thinking that way, and they were thinking, this is the kingdom. Now John the Baptist comes, and he says, repent. And watch this. Now you, you'll see this word, and it'll be totally different. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, he wasn't just telling them, he wasn't just telling them, stop sinning. That wasn't what he was doing. I mean, he was saying that, but that wasn't all he was saying. The biggest thing he was saying is, stop thinking towards the kingdom the way that you've been thinking. Something else is afoot. Something else is going on, and you're about to see it. Now, why was John bringing this message? Well, let's keep reading. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's close. It's about to happen right now. I was listening to a message from 2018. And in, and in 2018, I was sitting here preaching. And I said, listen, this, what has been normal to us, is about to change. And we're about to be sifted because the old ways are not going to work anymore. You're going to have to be a true disciple to enter into the glory of the glorious church. Yeah. I did, 2018. You can see it in 2020. Many people, they're not in church. They're not being a disciplined person after God. And what's happening? There is a, there's a separation. There's a sifting of that. And then what I said came to pass. And it's still happening right now. But the people that are disciplining themselves after God, they're going after him. And so he's saying, look, something is at hand. Something's about to happen right now. Don't, you don't have to look way down the road. It's happening right now. It's at hand. It's about to happen. We're in it. It's changing now. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is not far off. It's at hand. Get ready. 
because it's about to open up. That's what he's saying. Verse 3, for this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, John the Baptist is the one, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Now what was Jesus about to do? Jesus is about to walk in here and he's going to say, you know all this stuff you were thinking about the kingdom of, of Israel? Yeah, well, all that's going to change because it's not what you're thinking. The kingdom of God, he's going to end up saying, the kingdom of God is within you. It's here now, he's going to end up saying that. It's here now. Well, before he could come with that message, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way and make the path straight so that when the people heard Jesus say, the kingdom is now and within you, they'd be ready to receive that message. They'd be ready. They'd be like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Because John's been preaching it. They were, they were primed. They were, they were tapped. They were ready. They were at the ready for the message that Jesus was bringing. Now John had himself a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Does anybody want to be a prophet? Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Now, that would be like we're sitting here on the, let me give you an example because we'll read that and we're like, yeah, John the Baptist said that. Here's what that would be like. We're sitting in here on Sunday morning, all of a sudden, all the, all the pastors from around the area, right, walk in here. And it would be, I want you to be in the position of a disciple, okay? And then all of a sudden, I see them all walk in the door, and I go, you brood of snakes. What would you think right at that moment? Dear God, who's he talking to? Who am I following here? They, had to, they all were like, he just called the Pharisees a brood of vipers, right? And, and I mean, it would be, you'd have to know, are you a disciple or not? Right? <laughs> You'd have to know it real quick. But here he goes. Now, but understand, he's here to make the path of the Lord ready. I want you to see what he's saying to them. In other words, we know that they're going through religious stuff. We know that they're going through different things that people would call good and godly and all this stuff. But look what John says to them, preparing the way for Jesus. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit, say it with me, fruit. Fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourself, we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that these stones God is able to raise up children of Abraham. Dang. <laughs> like, wow. Man, he's... he's Preaching at them. I've noticed God doesn't play around with so-called leaders in the church. Like if you want to be a leader in the church, you better be ready. Because God's not playing games in that way. He, and he talks serious. I've had him talk serious to me multiple occasions. I listened. 
I mean, what else am I going to do? Rebel against the Almighty God? No. No thanks. I'm not going to win that fight. I'll talk to him plain. But if he says something, I, I get the point and I get it quick. I repent quickly. Quickly. Here he is. He's saying, who told y'all to come out here and get saved? And then he says this. Look, I don't care what you're doing back there in your so-called godly stuff. Are you bearing fruit? Are you carrying the fruit of God? Are you carrying fruit? Are you carrying it? I don't care what your title is. I don't care who your daddy was. I don't care what family you were raised in. Pharisees, do you have fruit? And don't tell me, well, God's my father. Look, God can make these rocks his children. Either carry fruit or don't, and you need to repent if you're not. That's what he's saying. Get ready. Well, understand that it wasn't just the Pharisees that heard that message. Who else heard the message? Everybody else that was there. The disciples heard that message. Doesn't matter. He's saying, look, it's time for us to get real. It's time for us to get serious. And I'm telling you right now, it's time for the glorious church of Jesus Christ to arise, to put on the glory of God, and to step into some things and walk in some things. I had a, at our prayer, our Friday night prayer, at the end of the year, the Lord said, you need to be prepared. You need to... You need to take action to prepare yourself. To prepare yourself. And I'm telling you now, church, and it's not just for Boomerang, it's all over the world. Church of the living God, prepare yourself. Get hungry. Get humble. Don't, don't be satisfied with the status quo. Get to the place where God can use you. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to see whose heart is pure towards Him that He might show Himself strong on their behalf. It's time to prepare ourselves. You're feeling it? Some of the people are feeling that. They're feeling that draw. Like I, I've grown in the Lord, but it's not enough. It's time to grow more. It's time to walk in the glory of God. It's time to not sit still. It's time to go after Him. It's time for it. And when we go after him, we'll have fruit. Don't care how long we've been to church. Don't care how many times we've seen the Holy Ghost move. Are we walking in consistent fruit or are we just amening? We've got to walk in the power of God. God's looking to bring people, not just pastors, that walk and have healing in their hands, that have the power of God, that are winning souls and making disciples. How can we make disciples if we're not one in the first place? How can we help others discipline themselves towards God if we're not disciplined? It's time to change our way of thinking and move towards that. And that's what he's saying here to them. I want you to see that his comment, look at this. He goes, verse 10, The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Like John didn't stop. He just kept talking. He just kept on, pouring them on. The Pharisees, the people that were ruling their whole society. He didn't even have a piece of paper hanging on his wall that he was ordained. He just was lighting them up. No wonder they wanted to kill him. He didn't go to eight years of doctorate of ministry or whatever it takes now. He's just preaching. Yeah. Foolishness of preaching, some people would say. 
yet it was the word of God preparing the way. He said this, he said, as for me, verse 11, I baptize you with the water of repentance, but he who is coming after me, here's the setup, he who's coming after me, Jesus, is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. Look at that humility. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what does the Holy Spirit and fire represent? It represents the power of God to produce fruit and be his witnesses and to move in Holy Spirit power. Remember the manifestations of the Spirit is, is the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of those found, those nine gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12. It's power from heaven. It's a manifestation of who the Holy Ghost is. It's power. Jesus is coming in power. But he also says he's coming in fire and he's going to baptize. He's not just going to come in power. He's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to us. And he's going to give us his fire, which the word tells us is an all-consuming fire of his presence where we can walk in a fire of God and carry a fire of God so that when we talk to people, when we come around them, they're marked by the fire of God. They're marked by it. Their life changes forever. Changes forever. It's one thing about fire. Fire gets a hold of something. It changes it chemically forever. It'll never be the same. When we have the fire of God in our lives, and, and here's what I want you to see too. When we come into the presence of God, what is left that's not God? Not a thing. There's nothing. It's all consuming. Everything that's not God, everything that's going that way, it can't stand in his fire and in his presence. And what John the Baptist is saying, there's one coming. He's going to bring some, some power in your life, and he's going to bring a fire. If you accept Jesus, he's going to bring a fire to your life and stuff that you used to have out there that was okay to leave laying around. You can't leave it around him. you got to deal with it. You've got to deal with that sin. Why? So that you can be who he's called you to be and produce that fruit. And John's changing. He's getting the people ready to repent, getting them ready. You were thinking this way. Now it's time to think this way. He says this, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, uh, does this appear important to God? Are we talking about things to play with here? Games. No, this is serious stuff. Destinies, eternities fall in the balance of what's happening here. You go on down uh, to verse, next verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. So John's been preparing the way. He's been making the path straight. He's been preaching a message of repentance. The kingdom of heaven is coming right now. It's right now coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming now. It's coming right now. That's what John's been preaching. All of a sudden, the chain shows up at the doorstep. And Jesus walks onto the, onto the scene, coming to the Jordan to be baptized by him. 
But John tried to prevent him and saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him saying, Permit it at this time, for in this way it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. You know, this makes me ask a question. How many things are we doing just because it's right? Not because, see, we could go do something else that the world counts as normal, but it's just not right. And the heart that Jesus had was, everybody else would forgive me for this if I did it, but you know what, it's just not right. I'm going to make sure that I just do it right. It's the heart of Jesus. It should be the heart of us. No matter if we can or even if people will forgive us, I'm going to do it God's way. Watch this. I'm not going to do it the world system way, the world's way of thinking, Lord, I'm just going to do it your way. And Jesus was now championing that. He was now demonstrating exactly what John had been preaching. you got to stop doing it that old way. Then he comes and uh, verse 15, 16, excuse me, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, I had to do it that way. All right, so this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting there at the Jordan beside the Galilee and everybody else been like, dunk, dunk, go in love, dunk, be peaceful, dunk. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends, God from heaven, this is my beloved son, because you know he's got to have a deep voice, and in whom I'm well pleased. And everybody's like, what just happened? Who is this? Well, what's interesting is in Luke, it shows us that Jesus, just right before he got baptized, he finished praying. And what's he praying? Well, what we see happen is that as he's praying, heaven's open. All of a sudden, the glory and the power of God is open from heaven. The power of God comes to sit on him and fill him in his life. The Lord, has, who, the Father, who has a fellowship with the Son, speaks for all to hear that are listening and says, this is my Son, I'm pleased with him. In order to be pleased with him, he's got to be in fellowship with him. In this fellowship, in this fellowship and power, Jesus prays, heaven be open, kingdom come now. The heavens are open. The power of God comes out. And from that day until now, the heavens are still opened over the earth from the prayer of Jesus Christ. So see, we're not waiting for God to touch us. He's already opened heaven. He's waiting for somebody that will recognize what they have in their inheritance in God and say, I'm a child. I can walk in power. I can walk clean. I won't walk this way anymore. The Holy Ghost will empower me to walk this way after God. And I'm going to go higher and higher in Him. I'm going to be well-pleasing in His sight. And I'm going to carry the light and the power of God because Jesus opened it up. Glory to God. What a glorious day.
And then in chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thanks, Holy Ghost. Thanks so much. Wow. Go into the desert and the devil's going to be waiting on you. Awesome. Great. See, we look at it like that and it's funny because our world mindset thinks that when God sends us into a wilderness, it's to suffer. No. God sends you into a wilderness to plant an oasis. God sends you into a wilderness to take over. And so if you know who you are in Christ, you stop looking at the wilderness. You start seeing the future oasis. That's who you are in Christ. You stop seeing all the lack. You stop seeing the dryness. You think, how can the early and the latter rains fall on this ground and bring some fruit to it? Hey, do you know who's walking in? Because I'm walking in as a child of God. That means God's walking in with me. He doesn't send a lot of people, they're like, well, I'm going through a wilderness right now. Well, if you believe it's a wilderness, then it is. I don't see that. I see an oasis. I see a beatdown of the devil who's, who's brought lack into a region. I see God opening up rain in a dry place. I see those bones coming alive because we know who God is. So then you read this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Oh, what's he going to do to be tempted by the devil? Oh, he's going to beat the devil down. So you look at it differently when you know who you are. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, talking about, you know, getting beat down. Fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Everybody's like, oh, Jesus, don't. Dear Lord, I'll do anything you want. Just please don't ask me to fast 40 days and 40 nights. I'll go into the wilderness, Lord. I'll be, I'll be tempted by the devil. But dear Jesus, please don't ask me to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. I know. Y'all never had that thought. I know that. But I did once, you know. Once, just once. I, I admit it was a point of weakness and I just didn't believe God like I should have. But this is what we know. If you'll see who you are in God and you'll give yourself to him, when he asks you to do supernatural things, he'll empower you to do them. And they won't be as hard as what you think they are unless you think that they're going to be hard because as a man thinks, so is he. And you start believing God, this is going to be easy and light. I'm going to be empowered. He's going to give me supernatural grace and strength. You'll be able to do the supernatural. But if you think this is going to be hard and heavy, then you're going to have that. You start saying, Lord, I'm drawing on your abundance of grace. I'm willing to sow my food right now. I'm willing to sow my food, and I believe that you're going to give me a supernatural power and strength to do it, and I'm going to use this tool of fasting to break every yoke in my life, to break off every chain, to put the devil, to move into more revelation, more like, you know, in Isaiah 58 it says, when you fast, that your, your light will break out like the dawn. In other words, you'll start to know things and have revelation. Well, you see, that's the whole point of Matthew 3 and Matthew 4 and Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus gets to preaching. What's one of the first things he preaches about? You and I being the salt and the light. 
He goes out into the wilderness. He starts praying and fasting. He starts getting revelation who he is, what he's called to do, more than he's ever had before. He gets in fellowship with God. The presence, the consuming fire of God is on his life. He's ready. And then the devil, you know, the devil's a jerk. He's like, well, I'm, oh, he's fasting. I'm going to wait till he's all done with fasting right to the point where he's about to bust. And then I'm going to pile on pressure. I'm a because that's the way the devil does. He likes throwing one thing, then another thing, then another thing, and another thing. And then right when you think you can't take any more, you know, the bill collector calls or whatever it is. And all the, the doctor calls and gives you a bad report. And all you're like, oh, gracious, I don't know if I can handle it. You can't, but Jesus can. And you're his, and he's yours, and you got him. And if you'll turn your eyes on him where you were sinking, you'll pull up out of the water and start doing the supernatural and walking on the water. Just put your eyes on him. Not the world's ways, God's ways. His ways of thinking, his faith, his belief to bring a power and a light of revelation into our lives so that we can be producers of the fruit. When he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he then became hungry. That hunger right there, it just says, he then became hungry. You know what that is? That's when your body wakes up and says, if you don't eat now, you're going to die. That is death pains that come on after about 40 days of not eating anything. And so he's at the point of death, and that's when the devil comes. Woohoo! That's when he comes. Did Jesus go, oh, let me eat a little bit of bread first, then come back, you stinky devil? No, that's not what he did. That's not what he did. No, he was like, hey, God's with me. And the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. The very thing he ain't had for 40 days, and the, that's the first thing the devil pulls out like, you hungry? I got a snack. <laughs> Would you like a little, a little nibble? Ain't, listen, if you hadn't ate for 40 days, it looks different. Let me tell you, a piece of bread looks different than it did before the 40 days. I can tell you. It looks different. It looks scrumptious. And it tastes like it too. And here's the first thing the devil does. Got some bread. Tempts that flesh. If you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread, verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written. In other words, I'm not thinking the world's ways. I'm thinking God's ways. Let me tell you what the Lord says. Let me tell you what my father says. It's written. It's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man will have life, life to the full, and life till it overflows by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When we have a word of God, it changes everything. But you got to make sure it's God. That's why a lot of people, they assume it's God. Get confirmation. Don't just, don't just assume. Who in here is never going to miss it ever again because you don't have a flesh that tries to trip you up? Anybody, anybody doesn't have a corrupted flesh? No, you're sitting here, which means you got a corrupted flesh. That thing's always going to be trying to trip you up, always. The Bible teaches us that. It shows us that. And so for us to think that we'll never be tempted to miss it, the Bible says in 1 John, it says they're deceiving themselves. They're deceiving themselves. 
If you think that you have no sin in you, you still have a corrupted flesh because we don't have a glorified body yet. You're already deceiving yourself and thinking that way. And so a lot of people think that they've heard from God. They don't get confirmation on it. And they'll go off doing something God didn't say to do. And all of a sudden they're in a jam. But if we got the word of God and we know it's him and we know it's now to do it, oh, we'll walk on the water. We'll walk that those words will provide provision right under our feet. We'll do the supernatural. We'll walk like him in power and in light and with the fruit. And that's what Jesus wants. We just got to humble ourselves to him. He goes on to tempt them. Jesus just beats them down. Handles them. Handles them. Matthew chapter 4, watch this. Remember, Jesus setting up light and power. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, verse 16 and 17. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Listen, there were people there in darkness. Jesus didn't leave them there. He didn't leave them there. He said, I'm doing something about it. They've been in darkness, but they saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. What was that light? It was Jesus and how he flows with the Father. And we have that ability to let Jesus flow through us. It's time for us to be the light that dawns on this land, on this county. It's time for us to be the light that dawns at our school. It's time for us to be the light that dawns in our workplaces. And watch this, verse 17. From that time... Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he goes on to say, The kingdom is now and it's within you. It's now and it's within you. In other words, stop thinking it's coming one day. Christians, let us stop thinking one day I'll get this. No, you've got an inheritance right now. You have an inheritance of resurrection power on the inside of you right now. As soon as you're born again, there's an inheritance package that's on the inside of you right now. Let's just get it out. Let's just get it flowing. There's light. There's power. There's fruit on the inside of each one of us that know them. It's time to get it revved up and going. It's time for that Holy Ghost engine to start pumping something out and to be who God called us to be. Then at the end of the chapter in verse 23, he says, let me show you a little bit about what I'm talking about. Let Let me show you a little something. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news that the kingdom is now here. The kingdom is visiting you now. You don't have to wait for it. There's a kingdom now. There's a kingdom right now, and I'm standing in front of you, carrying that power. I'm In Luke 4, he says, I'm anointed. To bring deliverance to the captive, sight to the blind, to set those that are captive free. I'm anointed. In other words, he preached the good news. Hey, the kingdom's right here. And to prove it to you, and he healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all those who were ill, those suffering with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. 
and he healed them. You know, just as we see this morning, the healing of the Lord flowing through his people, let me tell you, that, that heaven's still not closed. That heaven hasn't shut up. It's still open. It's still flowing. Many of you this morning, you received an anointing that's working in you now, breaking the yoke, bringing out, out of poverty and into an abundance, moving to the abundance of health, moving to an abundance of fellowship with him. Verse 25, large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea from beyond the Jordan. And then we move into chapter 5, which is where the base of my message is. <laughs> I saw color drop out of people's skin. <laughs> you got to hear that to hear this verse. I want you to see. Then all of a sudden, when Jesus saw the crowds that went out to see him, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples, the ones who were disciplined after him, no matter if it's past 12 or what, the disciples... <laughs> Love y'all. <laughs> the disciples came to him. The disciples came to him. The ones who were disciplined came to him. They were there. They were present. They didn't care it was far out. They didn't care it was on top of a mountain. His disciples came to him. There's something to be said for that. And then he starts preaching the Beatitudes. He began, he opened his mouth and began to teach them. The Beatitudes mean a consummate bliss, the joys of heaven based on virtuous actions. And then he goes on for those verses time after time. Blessed, blessed, blessed. It's good news of great joy about a kingdom that's now here. And you can touch it and interact with it and have the goods from it right now. And then he says, blessed, the word blessed means supremely blessed, fortunate, prosperous, well off, happy. Know that God wants you blessed. Don't just let these blessings sit idle. Don't just let them. Look, God's laid out blessings. Let's not leave them on the table. Let's grab a hold of them. But what does it take to grab a hold of them? We have to make some decisions. I read you the verse, blessed are the poor in spirits that they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The New Living says this, God blesses those who are poor and hear this and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now here's why I told you all of that up front to get to this place. Jesus and John the Baptist set up a change. John the Baptist and Jesus basically said this, the kingdom of heaven is about to be released. Then it was released. And now Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here now for you. And what he was saying is, it's not just me that's going to walk around blessed. No, you're blessed and you're blessed and you're blessed and everybody's blessed. Just reach under your chair right now. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I 
think you have to watch Oprah to get there, right? <laughs> I'm, I don't watch it, but I've heard about it. And you're blessed, and you're, I don't watch it either, but I heard about it. Doesn't she do that? Is that right? Is that the right? You get, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and everybody, just reach under your chair, and there's a gift there for you. Amen. You got a bottle of water. Glory to God. Some of you reach under there, get a bottle of water. Some of you get a tissue, you know, tissue box or a Bible there. Just reach under your chair. Yeah. Anyway, and you're blessed. And you're, see, yeah, and a towel. Uh, uh, glory to God. <laughs> God wants us blessed. And Jesus and John the Baptist came to say, you don't have to wait on this. Heaven's open now. And then he goes into the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what it's all about. The whole context of the Sermon on the Mount is this. I want you, the people of God, to walk in power and in light and in fruit. And I'm going to tell you, here's what we're getting at. Remember, we were going this way, but I'm telling you a new way of going after it. Because this is not just, Jesus was saying, this is not just for me, and this is not just for the Pharisees, and this is not just for the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is for the people of God, for you to have power, and you to have power, and you to have the light of God, and the revelation, and to be a light that dawns in your work. It's not just for the person, it's for everybody and then he goes into this message and he says blessed 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 is what you'll be and then he says and he goes through these chapters that I want you to read don't forget your homework and then he goes through these chapters and says and I'm going to tell you how to walk in heaven's power and these are things that trip people up these are things that people have been doing this way, but it's time to walk this way because you have a calling and a destiny on your life. You have a call to walk as a light. You have a call to walk as the preserving salt in the earth. You have a call to carry the power of God in your hands. You have a call to bear fruit, not just the pastors, not just the preachers. Every believer is called to carry the reality of the power of God and the light of God and not make excuses for it, but to have that fruit. And now I'm going to tell you how to do it. And he steps into the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, this is what trips people up. This is what makes them a hypocrite. This is what they do in front of people when they should be doing, doing it behind closed doors. This is what people do, and it trips them up. But if you do these things... Open heaven will alight on you, and you can walk as the salt, as the light in the power of God. Is there anybody that wants to walk in the power of God? Read your homework. <laughs> but then in the middle of that, right at the beginning, not the middle, but the beginning of that message, here's the very first thing that he says. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Which I didn't really like, the way that said that. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit because they will inherit the kingdom. They will walk in the kingdom ways. The poor in spirit. Well, now that's got my attention because I want to walk in kingdom ways. 
Anybody, anybody besides me wants to walk in kingdom ways, wants to walk in power and fruit, wants to have a reality. And then, then we really need to understand this domain of the king on the earth. The rule of God. How can I have God's heavenly rule here on earth? I've got to be poor in spirit. New Living again says... They realize their need for him. So he opens up this whole sermon on how to be powerful, how to walk in light, and how to walk in fruit. He opens up the whole sermon with be poor in spirit to walk this way. They've got to realize their need for him. Doesn't matter how many times we've gone to church. Doesn't matter how many glorious moments we've seen, how many healings, how many miracles. Doesn't matter if you pastored for 12 years or one year or no years. Doesn't matter if you pastored for 40 years. I still got to be poor in spirit. I still got to go to that place of being poor in spirit. I got to realize my need for him. Lord, I can't, and that's where this came from. Lord, I need you. I want you. I've got to have you. I can't do this without you. Without you, it's nothing. And Lord, I thank you. This is part of what led me to pray this morning while we saw the power of God flowing earlier is because, Lord, I can get up there, I can say a lot of words. I need your anointing. If I don't have your anointing, if I don't have your presence, I'm not going, if, like Moses said, I'm not going if I don't have your presence. If we don't have your presence this morning, I might as well, I might as well stay home. Lord, we need your presence. I realize our need as a body and my need as a pastor. I need you. I got to have you. Amplified says this, blessed, and listen to this, Amplified's version of blessed, happy to be envied, spiritually prosperous, with life and joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. <laughs> blessed, I love the Amplified, blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves as insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that doesn't mean that you beat yourself up in some sort of worldly false humility. It's something that says, Lord, without you, I'm not bringing anything to the table. I need you. I've got to have you. I don't rate myself. It doesn't matter what we've done for the kingdom. I don't care if you're the greatest man to ever walk this earth besides Jesus. That person still needs to be poor in spirit. That person still needs to be to recognize their need for Jesus to carry on with their next breath. Every part of our lives, Lord, I realize my need for you. Blessed are the poor. And, and the word poor means beggarly, not spiritually arrogant who recognize they can't live without God and spirit. For theirs is the kingdom, the realm, the rule, the reign, the royalty of heaven. The realm, the rule, the reign, and the royalty of heaven. So I, I wrote it like this. I, I wrote it out explaining it the way that it means. Supremely blessed are those who don't think that they've arrived already, but they recognize their constant an absolute need for Jesus, for they are the royalty of heaven. 
God's rule and realm of blessing will be manifest in their life. Who wants his rule and realm of blessing to be manifest in your life? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let's recognize our need for Jesus and reach for him in our life. And hear that again. Recognize our, our absolute need for Jesus and reach for him in our lives. And then, and then I repeat constantly. Let's do that again and again and again. And I, I wrote this down. Humility of heart allows the power of heaven to stand with you. Humility of heart allows the power of heaven to stand with you. Here is Matthew 5, 3 in action. God, I may have done a few things. I may have done nothing for you. I may have done great and mighty things for you. But Father, even today, no matter what I've done, I got to have you. I got to have you. I, I, I recognize that you have made me the righteousness of God in Christ. I recognize that I am a, a brother of Christ, a child of God, an inheritor of great things. I recognize that you've granted me all things pertaining to life and godliness. You bless me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I know that. I know who I am. But Lord, I, I, even knowing that today, I take the position like a beggar would, even though I don't have to be one because of what you've done, I still on purpose take that position in my heart to make myself poor in spirit according to your word because I need your kingdom. I need to produce power and fruit in my life. I need your heavenly royalty and rule to be in my life. And so, Lord, no matter what anybody else thinks of me, good or bad, it doesn't matter, Lord. I come before your throne, and I've got to have you today. I've got to have you today. Lord, I need you, and I can't do this without you. Lord, I need you. I just invite you today. Just right where you're sitting. Close your eyes. And just, just say it with me. Make it your heart. Lord, I need you today. And just let the reality of the humility of Jesus flood you. God's called you to power. He's called you to fruit. He's called you to be the light. You're not nobody to the Lord. No, you're actually very special, choice, and precious. But our job, even though he's done all that, is to still present ourselves in front of our great king, saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I got to have you today. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. I want you just to pray with me. You know, Jesus is the one who comes, and he doesn't just leave us alone. No, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire.
with the power of God and the fire of God. And I hope today that your fire rises like it never has before. That it goes to heights that you've never even seen in your life so far. That your power, your light, your fruit will hit new heights in Jesus. That today you'll see him in a way like never before. Jesus, you've called us to walk in power, light, and fruit. You've shown us how to do it, how to get the things out of the way that would trip us up. But Lord, it starts with us hitting our knees in our heart, laying ourselves on the altar of God, saying, Jesus, I need you. I got to have you. I cannot do this without you. If that's you today, if that's what's rolling around in your heart for real, just, just while everybody's heads bowed, I'm just looking at you, I want to pray for you. If that's you today, I want to go to new heights. Just show me your hand. Keep it up for saying amen. I see those all over. Thank you, Lord, for empowering your people to new heights. And let's just hit, hit our knees in our heart right now. If you'd like to come to the altar, you're welcome to. Somebody may feel the absolute need. i got to get to the altar. If that's you, go. Go now. If you're sitting there and you're just, I need to pray. Just take a moment right now. Just, just pray this with me. Just pray, pray it with your heart. Say, Jesus, I bow my knee in front of you. I got to have you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Father. I got to have you. I can't stay where I've been. I can't bury what you've given me. I can't bury those talents, those abilities. Jesus, I need you. You're the Lord of my life. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I believe you died for me took every bit of my mess, cleaned me up, went to the cross and the grave for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you didn't leave me in the place of death, but you raised me up. I ask you, Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and with fire to be who you've called me to be today. In Jesus' name. Just continue to receive. Put your own hands on your head, on your belly. Lord, right now, fill us, overflow us to live how you've called us to live. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your graciousness. Lord, we need you. We've got to have you. We thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. Let me just pray in the Holy Ghost for you. Lord, work things out right now in homes, in families, in relationships. Lord, work things out right now. Frodo Otobasibe, Lecano, Bani Ocafe, Hebrew Homo Sodorobo Sodoro, 
Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Yeah. I call for an overflow. An overflow. An overflow of the fire of God like never before. There's the anointing. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. An overflow in Jesus' name. An overflow. An overflow. In Jesus' name. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. An overflow. An overflow. An overflow. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, glory. Thank you. An overflow. An overflow. An overflow. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. An overflow. Yes, God. Thank you, Father. An overflow. An overflow. What Andy? Right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See here to Kudamon. An overflow. See Just receive. Don't say anything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. An overflow. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. An overflow. An overflow. An overflow. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. A devil on the dope soul. A message for you. An overflow. Daniel Kono made any custody. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. Thank you for an empowering, an enlightening, a fruitfulness. Ah, say fate Where the devil's told you you never never be anything. That's not God's story. That's not God's plan. No, he's called you to greatness. He's called you to greatness. To be a pillar in his house. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. Blessing be, blessing be in Jesus' name. Oh, overflow. <laughs> just starting, just starting. An overflow. Thank you, Lord. An overflow. Lord, anoint them to do what you called them to do. Anoint them for business. Anoint them for abundance in the name of Jesus. Lord, we need you. We got to have you. We can't do it without you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, the realm, the rule, the royalty of heaven. Lord, we set ourselves at that place on our knees. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Lord, we don't leave here the same way we came. We leave changed. We leave marked. We leave separated. We leave filled, built, established, and filled are the people of God this week. 
Lord, we thank you. We thank you that with purpose we leave here, not just having our ears tickled, but leaving marked and changed. And God, as we dig into the word this week, I ask in the name of Jesus that you reveal your truths to us, that you reveal the word to us, and that we come back this Sunday filled, 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 filled to overflow in the name of Jesus. We thank you eyes to see, ears to hear, and joyful spirits to dig into the fullness of salvation. Lord, we love you. We praise you. What a good day. God, thank you for the gift that today is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank y'all for being here today. What a good Sunday. I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Thank you for being here. God's good. God's got good stuff for us this week. Remember your homework? Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, go read it, 5, 6, and 7. And exciting update. Youth, if you are in grades 6 through 12, tonight you're, you're meeting here, but you're not going to be here. You are going to hang out with Buddy and the rest of the youth team, and you're going to go off-site. There's an ablaze off-site. So if you have more questions, go see Buddy. He'll get you all that information that you need. Life groups this week. Life groups were awesome. We're going to be meeting again. And just in the same way that we do every week, we are going to go out to lunch together today. So if you would like to come stick around, we'll let you know where that's going to be happening. George says Panchavia. Men's meeting, super sorry. I thought he was like mouthing like the word Mexican food to me. That Maybe that was an impartation from the Lord. And it's like Mexican food. Yes, that's where we're going. It could be. I don't know. Men's meetings tomorrow. Guys, go be men and do stuff with like sticks and grunting and beards and all the things that you guys do. You're going to meet at Blue Bay, 7 p.m. tomorrow. It's going to be great. We love you. Have a great week. And we'll see you Sunday.